Thank you for listening to Lone Star Community Radio. This program was broadcasted and recorded live from the LSCR studios in downtown Conroe, Texas. Lone Star Community Radio is supported by listeners like you. Donate and sponsor today. For more information on getting involved with Lone Star Community Radio, contact us at lscrstudios at gmail.com or visit us online at www.irlonestar.com. You are listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZW LP Conroe and 106.1 KZCCLP Conroe and worldwide on IRLoneStar.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Weekly Business Hour. I'm Rick Schisler. I'm your host. I'm a Silver Fox advisor, as well as being the founder of One, that's OneBestConsult.com. We're broadcasting live today from the studios of Lone Star Community Radio, located right here in downtown Conroe, Texas, the fastest growing city of its size in America. So there's lots of exciting business being done in our neighborhood. First question of the day, how does the stock market affect your business? Now, I realize that many of you, if not all of you, don't have your company listed on a public stock exchange. But the stock exchange is out there every day. Millions and millions of people in this country, your clients, your customers, to a large extent, keep an eye on the stock market, whether it's up or down, good news, bad news. They may not have an investment. But what I'm going to submit to you in this question is, how does that impact your business? Well, the first thing that I uh, comes to my mind, especially lately over the last several months, is how do you overcome the negativity? I mean, when the stock market's trending down, moving down, uh, the news is negative. The business news is negative. Uh, people are concerned about issues such as inflation, potential for war, all kinds of things, and that's got to affect their buying habits. Let's be frank with ourselves. Uh, very few businesses uh, are such that people have to buy it every day, every week, every month, regardless of what's happening in the rest of the world. So most of us, right, wrong, or indifferent, in a broad sense, are discretionary spends. So the stock market, in a sense, if it creates that negativity, what do you do? I think the first thing you do is you stay positive in all your dealings. When you show up for work in the morning, you walk through the door, you're positive. Regardless of what may have happened on your way in, at home, whatever is going on behind the scenes of the business, exude positivity. And this will rub off on your people and your customers. Check and recheck your margins, another good place. What are your margins? What's your profit margin? What's your gross margin? What's your overhead? You'd be amazed how many small business people can't answer that question. And I think it's extremely important when we're fighting the negativity of a down stock market particularly, or even when the stock market is blowing and going, we need to know our business margins. And if you don't already know them, you can't tell me right now, then I encourage you to study them, take a little time, pull out that calculator, and figure out what your margins are. Keep that first and foremost in your mind. And I think when you make a move, such as raising prices, a lot of pressure to do that right now, do so confidently. And do that in a way confidently because you've taken the time, one, to know your margins, two, you know what's going on in your business. It's more than just gut, though. 
You know from the numbers and the other things that are happening. So when you raise prices or make a major change in your business, your product line, your service line, whether it's a reaction to the current business climate or otherwise, be confident in that change. Don't get hit with the feedback and the extreme negativity that could come if you don't think it through. So watch the stock market. You don't have to study it. You don't have to be a fan. But I think it sends a broad message to people throughout this country and in many places in the world. I think it's an important indicator. The weekly business hour is where Montgomery County and businesses throughout the world come to talk about the latest in business news, ideas to improve their business, and to be part of conversations that can make a real difference in your business. A reminder that the show will be posted later in the week for replay on YouTube, Facebook, and right now, if you'd like to watch as well as listen, we're live on Facebook and YouTube as well. Just go to the Weekly Business Hour page, click on it, and you can watch us as well as listen to us. Last but not least, I encourage you, send me your emails. We have a uh, mailbag that we take questions. I also respond to people when they have questions about their business one-on-one. Love to hear your comments about the show. What can we do better? What's going right? What do you expect or want from this program? So drop us an email. It's real simple. Send it to one, that's the number one, bestconsult at gmail.com. One bestconsult at gmail.com. Well, without further ado, I want to introduce the guest. You know, recently uh, I was really blessed to uh, have an opportunity to talk to a real sales professional, uh, an individual that really understands human behavior and how to motivate people. And I'm speaking about Jason Forrest of the Forrest Performance Group. Uh, that company is absolutely a global leader in design of sales, management, customer service, and executive training programs. Uh, they're based in Fort Worth, Texas, good Texas folks. They've won multiple uh, international awards for the programs they offer. And it again, it's based upon behavioral modification and methodology that helps to get more out of the individual. So today he and I are gonna talk about in this conversation that we had about how to ramp up performance of your own team. So I encourage you, sit back, grab a pad and pencil or open your computer, get ready to take notes as we have a conversation with Jason Force about getting higher performance for you and your sales team. Uh, we're back on the street with our man on the street interview process and session. And today we've gone all the way to Fort Worth, Texas, wonderful, wonderful place here in Texas. And we've got a very interesting, very successful individual to talk to. We're going to be talking with uh, Jason Forrest. He is the founder of the Forrest Performance Group, otherwise known as FPG.com, uh, if you want to look them up. Uh, they're a global leader and designer of sales management, uh, customer service, executive training programs. Uh, amazing. If you go to their website, how many awards that they have won for the work they've done. It's uh, behavioral focus type training, uh, and it's helped them increase business profits uh, by unleashing human performance. Uh, and I love, uh, Jason, I didn't really formally introduce you, but I love the human performance element. But this is Jason Forrest. Jason, let me officially welcome you to the show. Thanks, Rick. I'm, I'm glad to be on here and glad to do whatever I can to teach and share anything that, um, 
that I know from my experience on how to drive sales performance through hiring the right people and training them and creating a, 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 a culture of, of leadership coaching, which is also important. Well, first, before we get started, so the audience gets a sense of who you are, if they obviously haven't had a chance to go to the website and other places to learn, give us a little bit of your business background, what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, real, real simple. So I was very fortunate that I grew up in a very sales positive family. You know, most, most humans are not grown. They don't grow up in a sales positive family. People, you know, sales is usually a plan B career, but not a plan A career for most human beings. And, and so for me, it was a plan A, you know, just everyone in my family's, at least all the men for the most part, and a lot of the women are in sales. And my father owns the oldest jewelry store in, in North Dallas. And, and so I grew up kind of in that whole retail sales environment. Uh, my mom was a debate coach for 50 years and speech coach for 50 years, just retired recently out of the college level. And uh, my Sunday school teacher was Zig Ziglar. So, so I was just really kind of morphed, you know, to, to have a, a strong passion for sales. And I, I think what's different, though, about me is, number one, my personal mission is to ignite the pride, purpose, and respect to professional sales because um, there's a lot, of, a lot of kind of either manipulative stuff that's being taught or kind of sales philosophers, or I call them sales posers that, that really should not be teaching how, how to sell. And so we really try to teach the real way to sell, which we can talk about. But, but, but also, the, the, it's all about unleashing the fear. I mean, the biggest, one of the biggest struggles that salespeople have is it's, it's way less about the knowledge. I mean, knowledge is important, but it's really about removing the fear. So like a good kind of metaphor I can give you is, we have a formula called performance equals knowledge minus leashes. So performance is what a person does. Knowledge is what they've been taught. And a leash is any of that kind of head trash or mental resistance that keeps them from executing, right? So if you think about like the typical story, you know, you've got a veteran that let's say their performance is a three. They're selling three you know, units a month, right? Well, their knowledge is a 10. They've been doing it for 20 years. They know what, they're, they know what to say, but their leash is a seven, right? So 10 minus seven is three. And all of a sudden you get some rookie that's been doing it for 90 days and their performance is, you know, is a four and they've got maybe a, but they've got zero, you have a four on knowledge and a zero on leashes. So they're outperforming the veteran with less knowledge just because they have less fear, you know? So, so we're really big on teaching people, number one, the most practical, tactical ways to, to, to perform at a highest possible level. So what, what, what do high performers do? And what a high performer say that's different than everyone else. But number three, it's what do they think about? So you must teach three things, what people think about, what they do, and what they say. And top performers, they just think, do, and say things are very different than everyone else. Well, you know, it's, it's real interesting. I, back in the day, I, I worked with a, a vendor owned a forms company back when paper forms were obviously very much part of what we do. And he had 25, 26 salesmen. And he, he himself was an outstanding salesman and he became a mentor to me. And he pointed out, he says, I only have two, maybe three salespeople that if they get turned down on, a, on an order before lunch, that uh, they're good after lunch. The rest of them should just go home because mentally they've been defeated for that day. And uh, it taught me a lot. I mean, he really practiced that in his business. So uh, it's very, very interesting. Fear is the main building block, I guess, or the main hurdle that people have to get past based on what I just heard you say. Yeah, fear is, fear is really everything. And, and, and a, there's a book I wrote called The Mindset of a Sales Warrior. Um, 
a couple years ago, and it really talks about these kind of four types of fear, or, or we call them leashes again. So a leash is that mental resistance. So un, we want to unleash the leashes. And there's kind of four types. Number one is self-image. That's more our, our identity or our sense of worthiness. Most people don't refer themselves as a salesperson. You know, you ask most salespeople, hey, what's your title? It's a realtor, it's an account executive, it's a, it's a consultant, it's a, uh, um, you know, it's a loan officer. And I always tell people like, you realize the only person that you're, that you're lying to is yourself. Everyone knows a loan officer is a salesperson. Everyone knows a realtor is a salesperson. Everyone knows an account executive is a salesperson. Everyone, they all know that. So, but, but because you're incongruent with who you are, it's, it's creating some cognitive dissonance in your psychology. So self-image is important. Number two is, is a story. And a story is anything external from us. So it's, for example, when the coronavirus thing happened, we wrote a book on, called How to Sell Through the Coronavirus because the story people were saying is, you know, I can't sell anything right now because the coronavirus and, you know, I, I normally, you know, have to get on a plane and go do face-to-face -face visits with people. And, and because I can't be face-to-face, -face, I can't sell anything. And I'm like, well, why don't you use Zoom or Microsoft Teams? And, and they would say, no, 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 people just don't buy that way. We can't do it, right? That's a story. That's completely crap. That's, we've, we completely have, have uh, de debunked that one. And we've shown salespeople how to sell more via Zoom than they did face-to-face. -face, and the overhead cost is dramatically down, right? Because now you can, I mean, like for me, like I can be on eight sales calls a day via Zoom. Versus if I was driving around somewhere, I could be on two sales calls in the same day. This is a very different game, you know? So, uh, so that's number two, a story. Number three is a reluctance. And a reluct there's actually 16 different types of measurable reluctances that people have. So stage fright, group presentations, uh, social self-conscious, selling to upmarket clientele, people that are kind of a higher wealth or income bracket than them or C-suite. Uh, friends and family aversion. I don't, I don't want to cross, you know, friends and business. Um, uh, arranging payment, asking for the order, coming across too pushy, telephobia, uh, calling the phone, Zoom. There's actually a, there's actually a reluctance that that people again they they have this kind of stage fright against Zoom because they feel like everyone's watching them, you know, and it's a a fear. So, and the last one is a rule, and a rule is anything that we kind of like have a rule of engagement, right? So, think of in the military, it's don't fire until fired upon. Uh, well, it's, I mean, it's a good, it's a good rule, but it's also gotten a lot of soldiers pretty killed, right? I mean, it's, it's not, I mean, like the number one, one of the number one causes of death in Afghanistan and, 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 uh, in the Gulf War and so forth is we can't fire until fire upon and you got some suicide bomber that blows them all up, right? So even though the person knows that they probably have a good chance of probably having a bomb on them, right? So, but, but, but everyone has rules. The problem is if they have too many rules, it'll actually hold them back. So for example, a rule that salespeople have is, uh, I'm not going to ask for the order until I've had three conversations with them over two weeks. I mean, they just come up with this like crazy stuff, right? Or, you know, I'll say, well, how do you know it's a top prospect? Well, if they're smiling, Jason, they're, they're interested. Okay. Well, I don't know about you, but every person that I know that has any has any wealth, every CEO I know, as they go up the corporate ladder, the, the gravitational force pulls their their face down, and they smi they don't smile as much as they used to. So the, the person with the most money and the most power usually is the one that frowns the most, right? So if a salesperson locked onto that rule that they're smiling, they're buying, you're not going to sell anything. So this is the kind of stuff that we fix, right? We we get that head trash out of there. Uh, just like any great sports psychologist would. I mean, that's really what my Mary and I's background is, is in 
neurolinguistic programming, and it's about um, removing the fear in high performers and removing that head trash. So we do. We have the same certifications that your your, your top one percent sports psychologist with great great professional sports teams. Every sports team has a sports psychologist on staff. We have the exact same certifications. A lot of those guys are good friends of ours. We've we've gone through the same classes. We just applied it to sales. We believe selling is a, is 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 a salesperson is an athlete, and they should be coached like an athlete. Let me ask you a quick question. It's kind of an odd, maybe, but you mentioned athletes. Uh, I've always uh, I grew up in an athletic environment, a um, long time ago, so to speak. But uh, it was drilled into me that half of your success in athletics in your competition was in your head. Then the other half was your ability, the way you trained and all those physical things. So the mental was half, physical was half. Is that same approach uh, applied to a salesperson? I love that. So what I would say, this is kind of a different way to say it, but same thing. So a good, a good buddy of mine, one of these guys that I'm talking about that uh, goes to the same certifications that I have, um, his name is Tomas Betos, and he is the leading he is the leading psychological performance coach in Hungary for poker players, Rick. So if you're a poker player in the professional tour in Hungary, you would hire Tomas Betos to keep you mentally tough as it relates to playing poker, which is a mentally tough game. And what he would say, which I love, he says, Jason, it's really about 5% luck. Okay, so 5% luck. It's about 20% skill. So now we're at 25% and it's, um, 75% emotion, right? 70, 75% mental. Wow. And so it's a kind of a cool breakdown. I go, Oh, well, that's a, that luck thing, Tomas. That's a neat, that's a neat one. I never thought about the luck component. And he said, well, the luck is there, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, a, a person has a lucky hand, they have a lucky break, but I, I do, we, we do want to give it some, some credibility. I mean, 5% luck, right? He said, but the problem though, Jason, he goes, he goes, a person needs to have 25% skill on, on mastering poker, but where the emotion comes into play is if they give too much meaning to the luck. Meaning like if they tell themselves a story that, you know, hey, I got a great dealer, I'm a lucky, I got a lucky hand, I got a lucky whatever, right? Whatever the stuff that people, I don't play, play poker, so I'm not sure what they say, but if they give too much meaning to it, then they get off of their skill set and they stop uh, betting with strategy and they start betting with emotion. Well, to me, the same, the same metaphor applies for salespeople is it's about 25% skill. Now that 25% is critical. I mean, you got to master that 25% and we have a 12 step self process that we teach. They've got to master that. They have to memorize that. They have to rehearse it. I mean, it has to be perfect on that piece, but the other 75% is the is the, is the mentality side of it, right? And the removing the leashes and the stories and that head trash, but then it's also, not giving too much meaning to luck. Well, what's luck, Rick, in sales? Well, luck in, 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 in sales right now, right now is when you know they, they get they get a bunch of inbound leads of people that are already ready, willing, and able, and wanting to buy from them, and then all of a sudden they start they start they start you know pay, counting on that, and they start saying that's me. As soon as a salesperson says you know I did that a hundred percent, that's what I did. Like I'd be careful because that ego is getting the best of them now. And, and it could be true. I mean, they could have be, they could have converted, I call it a warrior cell, right? They could have had a warrior cell where they converted a just looking buyer that was kind of checking things out and they converted them to a real buyer, or it could have been a market sale and a market sale is something that marketing provides for you. And they come in, they're already interested. They already 
they already want to make a change and you're basically facilitating the transaction and the salesperson, you know, they bang their chest and they say, that was me. That wasn't really you. You got lucky on that one. Just like a, a poker player gets lucky, you got lucky. But the problem with that luck is that, that if they focus too much on the luck, they stop the skill set, right? They stop focusing on how on their process. And then all of a sudden the luck changes because the market changes, the economy changes. And so now they go, well, I'm not the problem. My company's the problem. The reason why I'm not selling is because I got crappy leads. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. You know, occasionally, you know, occasionally, yeah, you, you'll, you'll get leads that want to come in and just want to buy from you. But that's not, that's not, what, that's not, that's the icing, not the cake. And the problem is if you make that the cake, it'll destroy your career and you'll job hop constantly because you're always looking for that next kind of hot item, you know, that, that, that people want to buy. And the last thing I'll say on this is, th is this, and I always tell people all the time, look, if, if your number one complaint right now is marketing's not providing you enough ready to enable prospects, just look at Apple computers. They go, what do you mean? Well, an Apple salesperson makes $45,000 a year. Well, how is that? Well, because everyone lines up for their product. So if you want to, if you, if you really are asking for, be careful what you ask for. If you, if you want marketing to create a product that everyone wants, that doesn't need any convincing and you want Mark and you want, so you want engineering to do that. You want marketing to advertise that. And I promise you, you will go to a salary. You will not be on a commission and you will not make six figures ever again. The reason why you pay six figures is because you're paid according to your ability to convince people who don't want to buy today to buy today and to pay what you're charging. And that's why you're on commission. That's why you're, that's why you make the big bucks. I love that story. I can't tell you enough how many times I've worked with salespeople and uh, by far the highest performer I have ever have been associated with was a guy who was retired, spent his entire life, entire life. I think he was 24 seven working as in sales and or a sales manager. And we offered him 50% on a brand new product and then put it in the marketplace, offered him 50%. You cover your own expenses. It was a national rollout, but he got a certain area and he grabbed it. And he went out and every check he got, every check he received every two weeks was five figures. I mean, every check. And uh, it was an amazing, and we shot up to number one in the market because others would follow him, but he was the key. He knew what he was doing. So, but when they don't, they don't. I love that. Um, we're going to take a short break now, ladies and gentlemen, uh, allow the commercials to be played uh, as we need to. And we're talking with Jason Force of Force Performance Group. We come back, we're going to continue this conversation, uh, maybe talk a little bit how to recruit people, some of the things that Jason does for people and uh, other aspects of selling that you can develop and bring people into your business. So please stay with us and we'll be right back with you. Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question, comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station on IRLoneStar.com or call in and leave a message at 936 647 3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. God's Garage is a 501c3 that repairs and gives away cars for free to single moms, widows, and wives of deployed military. You can help God's Garage by donating a vehicle, volunteering your time, or by monetary donation. 
God's Garage is located at 2106 East Davis, Conroe. If you'd like to learn more about God's Garage, visit our website at godsgarage.org. Or you can contact us, and we would be glad to come and make a presentation to your group. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Rick Schisler. I'm the host of the Weekly Business Hour, and we've been having what I consider a fantastic conversation here today with uh, Jason Forrest. He's the founder of the Forrest Performance Group. You want to learn something more about him, just go to fpg.com. That's fpg.com. Well, Jason, we went to break. You had already enlightened us on many ideas and reasons for lack of performance. We talked even about luck. What is the main thing? Is it the fear? What is the main thing that prevents somebody, though, from developing as a salesperson? What is the main thing that you try to break down and rebuild or put back together or guide people when you're trying to train someone to be a better salesperson? Uh, great, great question. So, um, so again, my background's in neuro-linguistic programming. So neuro is brain, linguistics is our speech pattern. What's been proven is the way that we think is a, is a window into how we feel and how we feel drives our behaviors and our behaviors drive our results, right? So, so I mean, it's real simple. I mean, the first thing is, is just what's their goal? I know that sounds crazy, but uh, I'm, I'm big into what I call gumps, right? My last name is Forrest. I think of a Forrest Gump. So G-U-M-P. So G is goal, goal-oriented. You know, do, are they clear on what are they trying to accomplish by when? You know, what do they want? How much money do they want to make? What's important about that? What's their strategy and plan on how to get there? Like, that's important. They got to be able to know that. Uh, U stands for unleashed. And that's unleashed of all those things we talked about, the stories, self-image, reluctances, and, and rules. And the, the biggest thing I would say there, because you asked, you know, what's the biggest thing you got to overcome? And, and I would probably say it's that identity. You know, it's, it's, it's you know, why do you want to be a salesperson? You know, and, and, and how do you identify yourself? Because humans are real interesting, right? From a psychology perspective, as soon as you adopt a certain identity, an identity is nothing more than a perspective with a goal. So think about this. When I adopt and I put my CEO identity on, that's very different than my uh, salesperson identity, or that's very different than my uh, kind of operations manager identity. Sometimes I have to be the, I'm also the CEO of my company too, which I don't like that one as much, but so I'm the CEO, which is the identity of like visionary, COO, which is more of the tactical, how to get from A to B and holding that accountable. And then you've got, um, and then a salesperson's identity, which is, you know, how do I convince a person to choose me today over all alternatives? I mean, so they're, they're different identities and they have different perspectives and different goals. Well, then I also have to change right on the way on my way home, Rick. I have to I have to then change to the identity of of a father and a husband. And 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 I know that you know that I that my wife and I work together. Um, that's different. I mean, like, so she's one of the she's one of my direct reports. She's our head of training and she's a president of the company. So, you know, I've got six different leaders on my leadership team. So we have to really have an interesting relationship that when she's on the leadership team, she's my employee. And her identity is the chief learning officer, and I am her boss. And, and, and she has to realize that from her perspective, and I have to realize that from my perspective, and I have to keep that kind of level playing field, right? Well, then all of a sudden, um, as, soon as, as soon as the relation, you know, as soon as that, that, that changes, the scenario changes, well, then I'm her husband, you know, or I'm the father. And, and, and so, so we have to kind of play through that, which we can talk more about later how to actually do that, because that's an interesting, interesting topic all in itself, just to have some guidelines around that. So 
Um, so identity is huge. M stands for motivation. So motivation, which is like the energy, the psychological and physical drive to like keep going, keep prospecting, keep hustling. And then last is procedural base. This is actually a big one. This is a meta pattern from NLP. And there are, one of the meta patterns is procedural versus option based. So let me kind of break this down. An option based person um, is more like a visionary. So think of like, if you ever read the book Traction, uh, Traction talks about a visionary and an integrator. Well, uh, or the EOS operating system. So the visionary is, is a great mindset, but you really need this integrator mindset. An integrator mindset is more of a step-by-step -step procedural person. You actually want salespeople that are procedural, not option-based. What does that mean? Well, here's a, here's a quick tip for everyone right now. Go ask your salespeople this one single question and ask them separately individually, right? Say, hey, so tell me, um, like, what's your, what's your sales process? Okay. If, if they're procedural, they'll say, oh, real simple, Jason. It's step one, step two, step three, step four, step five. Okay, they'll tell you the steps, right? If it's if it's if if they're option-based, they'll go, Jason, it just depends on the situation. And you can't, you cannot, there's no other business out there, Rick, that has an option-based system besides besides what people think is sales, right? So, and, you know, for example, could you, could you imagine if your operations team says, so tell me your process on how to execute these contracts and fulfill our orders. Oh, it just depends on the scenario. What? What about what about getting our taxes done on time or getting our books or P&L statements done correctly? That depends on the month. Like we would, no business would ever succeed if it was based on options. But for some reason, when it comes to managing a sales force, we allow them to get away with option-based thinking. And that is no more. Like that's the, one of the number one things that I will stop for my clients is every single person that I ever asked that question to of tell me your sales process, they will always give me, it's a 12 step process, here are the steps. And there's no there's no changing from that. Cause I can't, I can scale it if I have a process, but if I have 10 sellers that all have 10 different processes, I can't scale any of that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I agree with you, but it's always been my expression that salespeople tend to be light on their feet. They're always moving around and not really focusing that. Now the good ones, it's different. You know, even in their posturing and everything, you know, when you're in the, at least I think I do, when you're in the room with somebody that's really good at what they do, in this case, sales. And it's no different, uh, just the way they approach the whole scenario. Well, let me ask you, let's kind of double back. You, you brought up your wife. Uh, you, you and I've talked beforehand. Uh, you and your wife have a, a business together. Obviously she's a as you said, one of your six reports. Tell us how you make a business work, a partnership, if you will, work, because many of the folks that I've worked with as clients and, and people who listen to the show, spousal businesses are always at least a thought. Uh, very rarely do they work as planned, at least in my experience. So tell us, how have you been able to make it work? So number one, you need to have a very clear contract with your spouse. And I know that's like, well, that sounds weird. You do, you need to have a clear contract. You have a clear working agreement with your spouse, just like you have with any of your vendors or any of your other employees on, and it has to be clear on at work. This is your job description. This is what you do. This is what I'm going to do for you. This is how I'm going to treat you at work. This is how you're going to treat me at work. This is what you expect for. I expect from you. This is what, you know, tell me what you expect from me. Right? So we have to have an agreement. Uh, a contract and we have to do our best to live by that contract. Now, if you're married, you already have a contract. Most people don't follow it, but it's called a marriage contract. I mean, it's, 
you stand in front of the priest and you or whoever and you say what you need to say and and you have an agreement of what you're of how you're going to show up for each person you know in this relationship and now Mary and I of course because we're disruptors you know we wrote our own marriage marriage agreement you know so, so we had our own personalized one that we created um, that we shared with everyone and and memorized and our own vows and and but so I think number one you have a clear contract number two is that um, you need to set you need to set boundaries you need to set boundaries yeah, so what does that mean well like for our case we don't talk about work after 530 and we don't start and we don't talk about work um, we don't talk about work after 530 and we don't talk about work before 8 a.m. So like my schedule, I mean, I wake up at 4.30 every morning to go work out. And uh, and then I wake Mary up at, at uh, 6 a.m. with a cup of coffee and a kiss. And, and we spend some time together, you know, about 30 minutes and some time together, you know, from 6 to 6.30 uh, before we, you know, get going with the kids and get them out the door by 7.15. But but that's that's it's, that's our, our identity during that time is, you know, first and foremost, it's the two of us. So we have an identity relationship of we are husband and wife during that time. You know, then from, let's say from 6 to 6.30, we're husband and wife. And then from, you know, 6.30 to 8, we're parents. That's our identity during that time, right? And then after 8, we're, we're, we're partners at work. And, and, and she's, she's my employee during that time. And then same thing, fast forward, 5.30. As soon as 5.30 hits, it's, it's a hard line. We don't talk about work. And, and our, our, our direct reports kind of think it's funny because I have a morning huddle with my leadership team every day and, and you know, run the company the way you should. And, and on my morning huddle, you know, it's, people are always surprised about things that I'm letting Mary know about that they're like, how do, you, how, do, how, how do we know this? And Mary just now knows this. Well, it's because I talked to you yesterday at 5 o'clock and, and you know, I, didn't, I didn't have a chance between 5 and 5.30 to, run, to tell Mary this. And at 5.30, we don't talk about work. So, you know, that's just how it is, right? So they're, they're always like blown away that we're able to do this. But, but we, it's, 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 look, it's just, it's not, we didn't do it immediately. We did it because it was destroying our marriage. I mean, so we had to, we really wanted the most of everything. We wanted to have, we, Mary's phenomenal at what she does. And it would be a huge, huge loss if she was to go work for someone else. I mean, it just would be a huge loss, right? And so, so I need her to be on my team at work. But then obviously I need to be, and I, and I want to have a, an amazing marriage with her as well, right? So, so we set those boundaries. And then I would say the third thing that we do, um, oh, this is the third thing that we do. This is really important, is that, um, is to coach each other. This is a new thing we're doing, is we actually start the conversation by saying, I need to run something by you as my wife. I need to run something by you as my husband. I need to run something by you as my boss. I need to run something by you as uh, the chief learning officer of the company. I need to run. So we actually like will help the other person by kind of by sharing with them. Here's the identity that I need you to be in right now. <laughs> so because because you know sometimes look, I mean sometimes I got some you know as a CEO I got some negative stuff to talk about, and and uh, and so I need to say you know she doesn't. It's maybe not that good for her to hear that from a, a an employee perspective. It might add some uncertainty in her life, you know. But but I need to say, hey, I got some, you know, I got a problem with X Y Z employee right now, and and but but instead of talking to her about that from a, a employee perspective, I'll say, hey, I want to run something by you, and I need my I need my wife right now, not the FPG employee, and and then I'll and then so I need to put your wife hat on, and then and then she gives me like really good advice from a wife perspective. Uh, almost taking her out of the business completely, you know? 
really like what you all have. Those three steps, uh, are unbelievable. And uh, the most important thing, of course, is, is setting boundaries. I worked in a family business and my father and uncle owned, ran the business. And my father actually in later years had a contract, a written contract with me of what to do and so on and so forth, how to be compensated. And he was trying to make sure as, as he wound down that I, you know, understood I had to continue to do certain things. And uh, to this day, I have a contract uh, with my mother, my father passed, but uh, as far as taking care of not personal things, but investments and things like that. So she's clear on what we're doing for her. So there's something to that. There really is. Well, it's fantastic. We've got about a, a minute left, Jason, and I would like to leave our, our guests what I call a pearl of wisdom. Uh, and, and you touched on this with, and you uh, published uh, a book on COVID and all its challenges. And now our environment not only includes post-COVID, but it's got inflation, lots of talk about recession, tight labor markets. It's almost like a big pylon uh, of negatives. Uh, and I bump into this almost every day in conversation with business owners and their employees and so on and so forth. From your perspective in sales, what is it that I need to do, if anything, differently in trying to sell into that market with that kind of that over uh, overview of what everybody's got on their mind when you walk into that conversation? Sounds good. I, I want to share that. I also want people to know if they go to fpgnow.com forward slash podcast, fpgnow.com forward slash podcast, I'm sure it'll be in the show notes, uh, that we have a white paper on our sales recruiting process and how we've disrupted the sales recruiting industry by combining recruiting assessments and training in one and really the true ROI benefits of it. So definitely check that, that white paper out. Uh, but here's the simple answer. Again, easy to say, hard to probably do. And that is a warrior always finds the advantage. A warrior always finds the advantage. What does that mean? Well, I mean, like when COVID happened, uh, majority of our, I mean, literally like all but one of our clients met or exceeded their sales goals from March through June uh, because we were guiding them on how to get through it when their competition was shutting the doors down and firing people right and left. We, our clients didn't fire anyone. And well, how is that possible, Jason? Well, a warrior finds the advantage. Well, what's the advantage? Well, the advantage in that situation was uh, everyone was shutting down and, and running for the, you know, the just running away. And, and so we told our clients that look, this is a great opportunity to go poach, to go poach the prospects out there that are not being touched by your competition. So your comp, your, your prospects are still looking to make it to solve a problem. And so, you know, we need outbound. We need to go, we need to go attack right now when everyone else is retreating, you need to attack. And so I think that's a big thing is to find what is the advantage in the situation um, in any situation. And that's why I'm always trying to figure, you know, figure that out. Um, you know, the, the, you know, we helped, one company, it's a big a billion dollar organization in the plastic business, and they had all these pricing increases because of the war with Russia and oil going up and inflation. And they were really kind of worried about um, the price increases and losing business. And I just said, well, it's inevitable, right? Everyone's going to do this. And this is for, for so the first thing you know is it's a general problem, not a company specific problem. So are your competitions going to have to raise prices? Yes, or they will go out of business. Okay, perfect. Good. So number one, it's a general problem, not a individual company problem. So don't take it personally and don't and just know that. And number two is you need to be ahead of it. So the advantage is right now is you gotta be first. 
Okay, so you gotta be the you gotta be first to the to the race on telling your your clients that the prices are going up and the and the reason why the prices are going up and the advantage of the price going up that it's all the great reasons why they like working with your company and and if you don't raise the price then you're gonna have to cut out these things that which is the reason why they went with you to begin with and you have to remove that stuff. Well, you want to be on the front of that versus your competition uh, figuring out that you're raising prices and you know doing an end around and trying to cut you out, right? So. It's just, there's, there's always a, there's always an advantage. And that's the biggest thing that I'll probably leave everyone with is that selling is a game of chess, not checkers. Great, great sellers, great sales strategies out there are always about looking three, four, five moves ahead about where is the kind of the puck going, you know, and where is the ball going uh, versus, you know, versus a game of, ch of checkers, which is like one move at a time. It's just, you can't think of it like that. Well, that's great advice. Uh, I will share with you that, uh, I mentor three business roundtables, and one of them is a CEO, and the other two are actually nonprofit uh, members. And during the COVID, being our most recent history, uh, all but one of our members thrived and had sales increase. And in case of the CEO, double-digit sales increase. And generally speaking, they followed the advice uh, that you've just given our listeners, and it works. Uh, you, you do it a little more elegantly and offer some real detail there, which I think is very helpful. So in general, I can't thank you enough for taking time today to visit with us. If folks want to get in touch with you or learn more about you and your company, uh, how's the best way for them to do it? Sure. Just, just one connect with me on LinkedIn, Jason Force LinkedIn. I always love connecting with people that, um, that heard the message. And, uh, number two is you can just email me directly at Jason at FPG.com. Uh, as well as, um, you know, come to our website to check out all of our training programs. There's number two in the world right now. And then our sales recruiting services, uh, which really is a no brainer right now. There's no reason why you wouldn't choose us because of our ability to, again, onboard them properly and train them and, and find the right ones. I mean, you, you, we are head, we are sales headhunters, not recruiters. And right now in this industry, Rick, in this market, I mean, everyone is looking for a salesperson. And so the problem is no one's, no one's applying, no, no top person is applying for a sales job. The only person that's applying are the salespeople no one wants. So you have to have a sales headhunter that, that knows how to find these people and convince them to leave their current company and work for our clients. And that's what we do for them. Well, again, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. I'd love to have you back in the future. If you've got something going on and you want to talk about, then please come back and join us. And I want to thank your wife, because if in that partnership, that relationship, it sounds like y'all have built a wonderful, wonderful company. Good. Well, thank you. Have her on. She's, I mean, she's, she's yeah. way better than I am. She's, a, she's be way better speaker than I am. So have her. She's way better than me. You just need to be sure of what she might say when she's just. Hopefully it's <laughs> all good. You, right? Hopefully it's all good. Yeah. Thank you again. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to go do a short break. And when we come back. Uh, we'll talk about uh, some other topics in business that I think you'll find interesting and perhaps useful today. So thanks so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with our friend Jason. Uh, it's a very interesting idea of pumping up that performance. I'm sure you've heard various itinerations and ideas of, of how that works with behavioral modification. But I think Jason and his company, he and his wife in particular, have built a great organization. I encourage you to check out their website at 
fpg.com. It's real simple, fpg.com. Well, in the next hour, things are going to come up. I'm going to do a uh, tip of the week entitled Mistakes to Avoid in Your Business That Can Directly Impact Your Growth. Right now, everybody's scrambling one way or the other. Some folks are doing really well. I work with some folks on a business roundtable, and I'm just amazed how well their businesses are performing. But there are certain basic mistakes that I still see people commit, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And I also want to remind you that a podcast videocast of today's show will be posted on Wednesday of this week. If you want to re-listen, or perhaps, and I would appreciate it, re-share that with someone. Website is one, that's the number one, bestconsult.com. Check it out, get a recording of today's program, and again, I'd appreciate if you would share it with someone so we can increase our listener base. So stay with us. We'll be right back after the bottom of the hour breaks, and we'll talk about mistakes to avoid in your business that can directly impact your growth. A Lone Star Community Radio is ready for the summer. If you or anyone you know is looking for summer internship opportunities, A Lone Star Community Radio is a great place to grab the mic and be on the air. A Lone Star Community Radio offers a great opportunity to those interested in learning about the radio world all year round. Be an on-air personality, talk show producer, or YouTube TV podcast editor. Contact the station at info at IRLoneStar.com or call the station's message line at 936-647-3776. Second Saturday Divorce Workshop provides unbiased information to help you understand your options and move forward with your life. This divorce workshop is for you if you are contemplating divorce, in the process of divorce, already filed for divorce, or post-divorce. You will explore the emotional, legal, and financial aspects of divorce from professionals who have guided others through divorce. For more information on this divorce workshop, contact SecondSaturdayWoodlands.com or call 832-375-0900. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. Kids are moved from their home because of abuse and neglect, and we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, please visit costaspeaksforkids.com. That's costaspeaksforkids.com. Listen in Mondays at noon to hear Conroe news from local nonprofits, businesses, upcoming events, Conroe Park events, news stories, and information that matters to you with your host, Margie Taylor of Taylorized PR. For more information about being a guest, visit IRLoneStar.com slash Conroe Culture. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And again, thank you for listening to our program today. You are listening to the Weekly Business Hour. I want to remind you also that a podcast video cast of today's program will also be available on YouTube. Just seek out the Weekly Business Hour page, and you can watch as well as listen to today's program. should be about Wednesday of this week that that will appear. The other thing I want to remind everyone out there, particularly those listeners that are here in Montgomery County, uh, where the show is being broadcast from, we are looking for sponsors. We're always looking for people to sponsor the program. If you own a business, uh, contact me. Let me give you some information 
A sponsorship is very economical, but it also gives you a lot of exposure to people throughout the community. You know, the radio station has over 20 weekly, monthly programs. It garners a lot of listeners. We can share some figures with you. So I would encourage you to reach out to me. Just do that through the radio station at Rick, R-I-C-K, at IRLoneStar.com. That's Rick at IRLoneStar.com if you'd like to sponsor the weekly business hour. Well, the tip of the week. Uh, I chose this because I see almost like a tipping point or an inflection point or uh, a turning point, whatever you want to call it, happening in the business. And, and my point is there's lots of opportunity showing itself. Um, they like to talk about it in the stock market, which I touched on the stock market earlier in the program. But the point is that there's opportunity, I believe, every day. But I think right now with sort of the, what do you want to call it, the chaos that's out there, the confusion, uh, important things happening, the war is going on, uh, you know, the inflation, uh, potential recession is being talked about. I think there's opportunities. And the problem that some businesses face, in fact, unfortunately, a lot of ones that I've come across, is they make basic mistakes. And these basic mistakes cause them to lose this opportunity. And I want to touch on a few of those as a reminder to those who are listening. Don't let this happen to you. And the first one I want to direct at the owner of the business or the general management of the business, and that's don't do things you're not good at. Now, if you've started a business, you're an entrepreneur, you probably read or heard that somewhere. In other words, outsource or find somebody. That's true. There's no doubt about it. But the problem I see is a lot of times people will start a business and they say, well, I just don't have the money uh, to hire someone or outsource it. And the problem with that is it's kind of a circular. You don't outsource it. You don't like to do it. And it kind of comes around and it bites you ultimately. Uh, the biggest areas I see are like financials. You don't produce your monthly financials. Uh, if you don't have a lender, a bank, or some other entity breathing down your neck, and a lot of times when you start a business, you're unable to borrow money, you don't have pressure to do it, then you try to do the financials yourself. You try to do all these other things that you're really not good at, and in many cases don't like to do. And I encourage you, the bottom line is it costs you more in your time, which your time is money, and lost opportunities. And that is the thing that really concerns me. We've got a great opportunity to build our businesses, strengthen them, grow them right now. I think it's just it's, it's one of those unique times. But if you're caught doing all this work that's typically done in the back room, uh, whether it's processing orders, whatever it is, and again, I understand. I've started businesses. I've started businesses on my own. I've started business with partners. But one of the best things you can do for yourself and your business, depending on what your vision is for your business, is to find somebody or some system or process to take care of things that you don't need to be doing. And secondly, and perhaps tied into that, is don't ignore the math. I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show in a different context. But make sure you know what your margins are. Many small businesses, as I mentioned in the first one, their financials are not produced on a regular basis. In many cases, they're inaccurate. I can't tell you how many folks that I've engaged with to help them 
straighten their business out, build their business, that I found financials that were just either non-existent or in total disarray, and uh, which is amazing. Uh, it's a mistake I didn't personally make, but I see way too many people do it. You need to know those numbers. Not only do you need the production of your financials, but learn what your margins are so that when you get a hit, say, with something that's a price increase, say, that's a result of this inflation that we're all talking about right now, that you know what that impact is. It's kind of like back of the napkin stuff. You need to understand what the margins in your business. You don't need to memorize every number. You don't have to know everything, right? But you need to know your margins. You need to know what happens if the cost of a product or a supply goes up 10%. What are you going to do about it? So make sure you know the math. And the third and last one I want to touch on, really important, and just too often, again, overlooked, is don't mistreat your suppliers. I mean, so many times people say, well, I want the best price. They drive the price. They don't pay or they slow pay. And then when they get in a jam, like what we're having right now in the supply chain problem, the supplier is just not really interested or excited about bending over backwards to help them. Uh, you need a good relationship with your supplier. You need to build a relationship with your supplier. It's a very important thing to do. It's not hard. It doesn't mean you can't get a fair price. Yes, you may save a dollar if you go online and buy it at Amazon, but then who's going to be there to service it? Who's going to be there to find you a source for that particular item when things dry up, when the supply chain cuts you off and delays. We've had some pretty good guests on this show over the last few years that have talked about how they built relationships and had paid off when things got tight in particular. And if it got a good relationship and can count on them being truthful and fair, then that's one you can kind of tick off your list. You don't have to work on and try to find new people to replace them. Seen businesses go through that process every 30, 60, 90 days, and it just really doesn't make sense. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for uh, joining us today. And particularly, I want to thank Jason Forrest, Forrest Production Group, FPG.com, for taking time uh, earlier uh, this past week to talk to us and share with us his knowledge, his experience. Really do appreciate it. I encourage you to check his website out. He's got a lot of good information there for you, and I think he provides some great services. Put a note on your calendar. We'll be back here next week at 11 a.m. Uh, I have some exciting guests already lined up, so I hope you'll take time to join us. And thank you for being here again today. Stay in touch with what's ha happening here in Montgomery County right here on Lone Star Community Radio. And until next week, as I always say, stay engaged and keep your focus on what's important in your business. Thanks. Thanks.